Okay, welcome back everyone to episode 14 of Anime Savants. Alright, so um, I guess I will just start off with the anime news. There really isn't much that's like huge, huge or like pressing. They, as I said last week, actually a few of the things that I said last week actually like happened right after we had, we like recorded the episode, but that animated I was talking about from Studio Bones, they announced and it's like a skating anime and that shit looks so good. Like, so good. Like, I don't even, I don't even care that it's about skating. Like, I don't even care if there are no superpowers. I'm gonna watch that shit. That shit looks gorgeous. Um, Red Girlfriend got season two. I'm not really surprised by that because people have been raving like a motherfucker about it. Attack on Titan finally has a fucking release date, which, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. We'll see. Um, Eden Zero, as I said last week, is they just now announced the anime because I said the anime wasn't far behind the game. We got the get, not got the anime coming soon. And Hiroyuki Sawano released some statement talking about he's working on a currently um, unreleased anime that's not a sequel and it's an original thing. So we about to get some more bomb ass fucking fire music. Oh lord! And I know y'all be talking, be tired of us talking about Sawano, but you know what? <laughs> It has to be said. You'll just have to deal with it. All right. That's like, that's what we're about here. Yeah, like quality. Quality. And also Nintendo really needs to stop fucking around with that Xenoblade remaster. I really need it. Because <laughs> after we thought we talked about it, that's all that's been on my fucking mind. I'm like, it's really because Tokyo Mirage Sessions got the the port and that didn't even sell that well. But that really? was like some weeb fucking niche connoisseur shit and i ate it the fuck up i love that game so when they announced that i was like oh my god that means everything from the wii u is coming we still ain't got no xenoblade x like what the fuck is going on okay but yeah news i don't really know you have anything for news uh minor stuff as usual jujutsu kaisen released the third and probably last trailer uh for the upcoming season it was great it's definitely great because I was a little bit worried about the animation quality for the fights. We got some of it. It looks awesome. There's going to be some Sakuga, at least coming out of this series this season. So I'm nothing but pumped. Looks like a solid show um, all around. Pretty cool. Minor secondary announcement was the uh, OP is going to be from Cannaboon. Oh, my God. Oh, wait. The OP for Jujutsu Kaisen? For um, Fire Force. Oh, my God. Yeah, nigga. I was just about to say that, too. Oh my god, I forgot. I oh, Kanaboom is so fucking good. Yeah. That opening that they did for Iron Blooded Orphans is such a fucking just bop. Yep. Ugh. So yeah, so we're getting I was in plenty, plenty of good stuff. Plenty of good stuff. But you know, not nothing too major. We're at the transition point of the season. Uh the only other funny thing that I just showed up on my feed this week was various stories from around the world that are covering the unveiling of like the life-size Gundam because they're doing like more mechanical tests and things and it's interesting because in other countries you know it's just a generic like foreign foreign news item and so it's not listed as a Gundam in a lot of them because they don't know what Gundam is so they list things (laughs) like like giant Godzilla robot or some one of them uh, uh Ecuadorian paper mentioned it as like a Mazinger Z which is what like, that has nothing to do with here, Gundam. But, but I have a theory, and this goes back to something that we've talked about in a previous episode, which is in uh, regards to 
um, anime in South America that a lot of the 70s and 80s shows got licensed be, um, and played and continue to play on TV in a lot of these countries, like their regular like network or whatever their national cable services, and have never stopped playing. So because they don't produce a lot of like homegrown cartoons and other things yeah and they don't really import them from america because it's more expensive so i wouldn't be shocked if like that's just a cultural thing like they they connect giant robots with a different series than maybe the rest of us but i have no no evidence for that just um uh baseless speculation but i thought that was really funny there's there was a meme going around of like four or five different uh, clippings from internet news articles covering the same story, and in each one, they're referencing like a different incorrect robot show. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right for our current state of affairs. Whatever. Oh boy. Okay. Is that all for news? Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing that's on my radar, at least. Okay, then let's hit these other two, and then we're going to get into this series finale. Um. So we want to start with, I guess, since we already talked about Fire Force, we can start with Fire Force. Yeah, this um, was a um, cool episode. This was, this I it's cool. another trans another transition and a very story heavy thing. I mean, some of it is recap for what we already knew a little bit. Um, Listen, they got my ass because I thought the three niggas was gonna fight. Yeah, it's what I was say. It's a little tease, a little, yeah. little tease. Um, but yeah, so it, so some of it is again like we got recapped on some of the background we had already kind of we 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 knew that there was a story um or knew the story behind raffles and you know that journey that they preview and or they started re-previewing at the yeah. beginning of the episodes this season uh-huh. and we had a confirmation that it was yona who was playing that role and had been playing that role so we now know that and character's been around for like 250 years yeah he's not fucking um, and it was good because, and I had forgotten about this, that uh, during the Asakusa arc, we learned that Yuna had that ability to impersonate or take other shapes and other things. And of like all of the white clads, he or it at this point is the least human of all of them. Yeah. And may not even be human as we saw. One of the also really cool things, which I don't remember this from the manga, but I have to go back. We actually got to see a lot more of the the, uh, the, the world dimension. of Adola. Oh my god, I was about to say that shit looked so cool. Yeah. When they when they when they that whole sequence with their eyes and like them in that you I don't know what filter or whatever the fuck they were using, but I was like, oh this shit it like it looked weird, but it kinda like felt weird at the same time too, with like the bubbling that was like going on in the background i was just like wait is it like water or like what is going on like what's bubbling but then there's fire at the same time and i'm just like oh this is weird i love it so one of the things that i you know as a reader it's now interesting to go back and actually listen to read about or think about some of the the theories that have been floated not necessarily about where fire force is going as a show but what fire force kind of means in the world of uh or its connection to like prior works if mm-hmm. there is any and one that i saw floated that i i buying into more and more and especially now they've started to animate more of the adola stuff is that if you go back to soul eater there was a very interesting through line in soul eater about how if you got to the end of the series whether it was tv or especially this is fleshed out at the end of the manga series that 
the 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 concept under underlying Soul Eater was you have Shinigami who is a who is God. Yeah. And the Kishin who used to be a part of Shinigami the, and so that's the disorder part. So Shinigami was order, Kishin was disorder, and madness was the trending of an orderly person or world or the rules of the world um, towards disorder and chaos. And that's what the Kishin could do. And so at the end of the series, Death the Kid is offered a choice as the son of God as to whether or not he's going to become a god of order or of madness. And you know, spoiler alert for those who have not finished Soul Eater, but Kid chooses order with the caveat that he won't become a god that would throw away and sacrifice people's and would would kill for no reason and would not understand and promote, you know, friendship and family and other things. Because Akishin's accusation was that the the world that Shinigami was able to create by manipulating people's minds and emotions and everything else to be more orderly was one that denied human sort of agency and and creativity and everything else okay so that was so that was um uh soul eater there's a theory floating around that if the end of soul eater represents a world where the heroes and humanity chose order and so therefore it chose sort of like heaven then fire force is the opposite a world in which it's ruled not by a just orderly shinigami but by a you know chaotic kishin sowing madness everywhere and madness being sort of the corruption of the rules of reality and you know what and that kind of like fits that. the theme of it though correct like big time right and whether or not there is any real tangible connection between the series or not, it's undoubtable when you start to look at the representation of Adola, and especially as they start to deal out more information on the show, um, and definitely in the manga as well, about what the um, Great Calamity was, and also what the world that the characters are living in. I think that there's some credence to the idea that the this is the flip side, the reverse or even the inverse of the kind of world that was presented in Soul Eater. And Adola could itself be a literal allegory for hell. Um, so th- there's there's something there. I also point out that there was a, a shot where you're looking at the evangelist in this episode and you see the yeah. floating pieces of rock and yeah. one of them has an eyeball embedded. And yeah. I don't think it's a... I don't think it's would be shocking to anybody if they lined up that eyeball with a certain moon uh from soul eater that they look remarkably similar and the end of the soul eater anime actually takes or the manga is a fight on that moon the moon and that's supposed to be the moon of madness so there's a lot of like interesting little tidbits that are in there oh my god the moon is the oh i need to go finish soul eater then on the manga side damn i mean yeah overall i i enjoyed the episode i got a lot of information they set up the next arc I also saw the PV for the next thing, and I'm really enjoying how they're bringing that little boy back into the story, because I definitely yep, you didn't was forget like, about him. I didn't forget about him, but I was like, what happened to that fucking kid? I thought he had, like, an Adola burst, because, you know, well, no, not that he had an Adola burst, but that he was, like, he developed pyrotechnic f- powers. Yeah, he was forcibly activated, so yeah. he definitely had a, 
so I, I don't remember is it if you are a if you have like some some link there is and an insect gets you then you just turn into a third generation immediately you, well that, that's another thing though but then i also so i i had seen that pv before i saw this most recent, okay. this week's episode and so when the you know in the opening where like they're showing all the the pillars Mm-hmm. There's like in one of the pillars, like it looks like that kid silhouette. So I'm assuming that he's an adult. Like he has, he has an adult burst because that's the it's the link right after how may not how may what's her what's crazy bitch's name? Oh oh shoot um, the the fire the one who sets all the fires man yes forget your name um, um I should know this is it um Inca Inca oh, Inca yeah, Inca okay it is Inca okay. yeah. So, like, they show all of the Adolabers, or the Adolabers that we know of, they show them in order. And so, right after her, the first pillar, it doesn't have this, like, a generic human silhouette. It has, like, that kid's hair as the silhouette inside of the pillar. So, I'm already assuming that he's way more important to the to the plot than, than you know, I guess I thought before. Because at first I thought he was just forgotten about, but... Now they're about to get into what uh, the Hajima Industries homeboy looks like he has um, half an infernal arm, like one arm is an infernal or some shit like that. I'm just like, oh, so we're about to get to crazy shit, like perfect. And you said an arc where like everyone gets some shine is about to come up. So yeah, I mean, the, the, for the most part, they do switch back and forth between uh, as far as arcs go. Ones that focus more on like Shinra and then ones that are like team team sort of arc so this is mm-hmm. one where this everyone gets a little something i'm worried about licks but i feel like he's gonna live anyway so i'm not really that worried I, if they you do know, kill at this off, point in the manga i love licks i thought he was really cool and i think um, he's cool now too but i i feel I, I don't know i feel like maybe there's gonna be like a jerk like up oh, and here's the first death death nobody yeah there's, there's definitely some intrigue there but I think one of the, the the through lines for the characters in Fire Force, especially the ones who wind up in the 8th, is that all of them, they care deeply about the truth. And they don't really care about like what the impact of it is on the rest of the world. Like it, They're doing it for themselves. Yeah. So it, like all, And all the villains, at least the ones that are named, you know, they're, I don't know. I feel like the broadly like the pillars just sort of want to get the get the final showdown going like anything that can accelerate that that's all they really care about uh-huh. and it's and like the other like minor villains are sort of like maybe self-interested so there's like a, a through line with all the bad guys that they want to change the world uh and and they want to get that you know final calamity popping they want to burn everything down uh-huh. most of the other characters who are not sort of aligned with them at least the ones in the eighth all care about like uncovering the truth. So whatever Licht is generally up to, I I tend to even at this point in, this, in the story, I wasn't like too worried, but I just felt like he's kind of like I'm like I don't know too self interested, fuck shit up. But it's a really good arc, and I like him as a character. I like all these guys. All right, God of High School. Um, at this point, I I don't care anymore. <laughs> I I don't, I don't I don't I don't I don't care anymore. I have no idea why certain things are happening. I I'm kind of like really annoyed that I don't have any background on some of these characters that just come in and just die. 
Like, homeboy who, like, the magician home dude or whatever the fuck, when he teleported everyone, and he's one of the six. I was kind of just like, wait, what? Those are his powers? Wait, how does he know? Wait, okay, but now we're back over here. And then, like, even, like, Jiggle text, like, random, like, where did he get that power? Like, did he... <laughs> like, I'm like, what the fuck is going on, man? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> And I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not gonna lie. I am, I'm in, my eyes are enjoying it, but my brain is like, nigga, what are you, why are you still watching this shit? Like, watch these fights on YouTube when this shit is done. Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I feel you. I I'm feel just, you. I feel like there's nothing really like connecting me to the show plot wise. Like, and I, I know Jen is probably gonna do some bullshit and win some way, but it's probably gonna, it's gonna be the kind of bullshit that I'm not even gonna wanna take. Because I'm like, nothing of this was built up. Fucking, um, Dewey and his Charyu coming out of nowhere. I'm like, wait, so you a healer, nigga? You're like, enhancer? Like, wait, what? Why didn't we get any of this? Why didn't we get any of this? I mean, I wish I, wish I could tell you why this was done. Um, At I'm this still point, a fan. I can't really, I can't, like... I can't really recommend it to someone who's like brand new to anime because they're probably gonna be like, "This is a mess." Like, what's going on? I can recommend it to people who I'm just like, "Oh, you like watching niggas get washed? You need to watch this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is cool. This I don't know. Like, it's not. It's it's not on the same production level as Tower of God. No, not at all. Like at all. Not to say that I don't like it. I'm just like. Oh, I just wish it was better. I I blame the director and the producer. Um, I feel like I'm going to say I've said this pretty much since episode five. Because yeah. in the first episode, I was very pleased that they kind of blitzed through a lot of what I felt was not particularly good and not particularly interesting background material for characters who you would learn a lot about them just by kind of like watching um Mm -hmm. rather than having them do a bunch of exposition or anything so i felt like oh well this is a good idea that they cut a lot of that so they can get right to the meat of things but what i expected was for the show to slow down and really take its time now having gotten to episode 12 i can comfortably say that they're trying to adapt somewhere between eight and ten chapters per episode whoa that's a lot and it's not as if these chapters are themselves short. The typical manhwa chapter is actually longer mm-hmm. on a per-panel basis. It has more in it, more art, often similar amounts of dialogue as, you know, two chapters of a manga. Maybe they're not quite as dense sometimes, but mm-hmm. there's a lot. You know, if you look at individual scenes and everything else, they can be about twice as long. So, conservatively, you're really talking about maybe something on the order of 14 or 15 chapters worth of material getting boiled down to a single 20-minute episode. It's just too much. It's too much. And, you know, since we're sort of... We'll, I'll save sort of my, my longer-running critique for next week when the it's show over. wraps up or the season wraps up. Yeah. But I want to I wanna hammer home what a difference it makes when you have a director or a producer that is well matched with a production studio and a production schedule that makes sense. God of High School should be and should have been this season 
the biggest, most hyped out of your ass series, but it should have been two core over uh, the same amount of material. Oh, wow. Okay. Four or five chapters getting boiled out into a single episode with some good editorial or, or directorial control to sit, maybe move some parts around, um, combine other parts, you know, or do things in sequence and timeline where multiple characters are doing stuff doing that in a smart way would have saved this series and having more runtime would have saved this series trying to make it fit within a 12 to 13 episode single core single arc format it was a complete mistake 100 percent top to bottom the studio was capable it's not a question of like oh the art quality suffered or anything else it's literally that they didn't they they committed very early to keeping every single fight in the series and lavishing them with lots of attention but then didn't know or didn't have the ability to to provide enough backstory some meat on the bone to make those really well animated and well presented fight scenes have any context whatsoever and that's a production mistake Mm. And, the, and and the director is the one who has to take responsibility. Like, the producer is going to take responsibility for the animation and everything else, but the director has to take responsibility for the plotting and the timing and the content, um, story content that goes in. And it was just a, it was just a complete error. If I were in charge of that, that, that production, the first thing I would have gone back to the Crunchyroll people is said, this is not a doable project in 13 episodes from a story point of view. It's not going to work. Mm. So we need a compromise here. And I don't know. They, it just didn't, it didn't work for me this season. I'm very disappointed in the story. All I can say once again is that the manhwa is fucking awesome and does not suffer from these problems because it's 110 episodes, uh, 110 chapters, I think, or I'm probably about 120 by the time the season is over next week. 120. That's, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna finish it. I'm gonna finish it, but yeah. And there's well, one other major character that they haven't even introduced yet. What? That is no. necessary for the arc to end. At the unless the final episode is gonna be an hour, I think they need to chill the fuck out. There's no, no. way. There's, <laughs> no. There's no. There's no way. There's no. I way. mean, also, how cool would that have been? If the second TV adaptation was double length, but they were 40-minute episodes. I mean, I take it. They need to... I mean, well, I'm pretty positive it's going to come back, but I don't know. Maybe a new... I don't know. I'm just not pleased. I'm just not very pleased as, like, a random person watching it for the first time and experiencing it for the first time, like... I'm getting what I want out of it, which is my Sakuga, but I feel, I feel, it feels empty because I don't know what the fuck is going on. So, that's all I, that's all I got for them. Yep. I mean, we'll, it, we'll be so, back for the, the full wrap-up yeah. next week. Instead, or to finish things off, we have the last episode of Decadence that aired this week. Yes, sir. So, um... Well, what, what what you wanna what you gotta say? I am very happy with this series. I wish it had more runtime. If it's ending here, which it looks like it is, I'm perfectly fine with it. 
Um, so let's just quickly cover what actually happened in the episode. Mm-hmm. So we were setting up with the uh, Big Bad Gadol showdown with the potentially reinvigorated decadence how the Kaburagi was installed. It wasn't moving. So then you had the let's get the let's get the gang back together moment where all the robots log back into the server because they think it's it's like a, a massive event and they don't want decadence to go away because they heard it's going to get canceled. So it's like when all those people who uh, reactivate you who have been like haven't played the MMO in a long time like hop on to reactivate their accounts. Uh, yeah, really cool stuff. We got a bunch of we got a a, a literal like hero moment fake out with. Um, Who's the big purple dude? What's his name? Why am I forgetting his name? Ooh, Donatello. Donatello. Why? Why would I? How could I forget Donatello? Uh, favorite Ninja Turtle, and also <laughs> cool dude in the series. So he does the he does the uh, uh, <laughs> studio trigger um, double drill suicide. Like yes. The more I watch the end of this, like all the vibes I got of like Gurren Lagann from the beginning. Oh my god! Were, yeah, there was a lot of like crazily animated stuff where i was just like uh is this studio net still because what's right now there was clearly a segment that they cut down to just finish the show which is when kaburagi finally gets his one-on-one with the ai that's controlling the system oh yeah the a- it just seemed like the ai just kind of was just like all right fuck it yeah the ai basically was like yeah it's fine yeah <laughs> like go ahead see what happens which but is, I did, I you know, I did enjoy their talk, and the AI basically was like, "No bugs are meant to be part of the system. Like all this shit is meant to be happening." I'm kind of right. just like, "Oh, well, now I definitely want more." <laughs> like, yeah, they pulled the whole, you know, everything you were doing was foreseen by the system. You're just a part of it. Ah, and then Carbrag is like, "Well, I'll still try my best." And then yeah. the AI was like, "Okay, yeah, you can go do that. <laughs> I don't really care. Like, what difference does it make to me?" But then also, and then that was kind of it. Um, I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you can go. You, you can. Like, normally, and I think this is a function of the fact that the final villain was a mess that was caused by the AI system mm-hmm. rather than, like, an embodiment of a particular ideology or way of thinking that it wouldn't have made a lot of sense for the AI system to be like, we're going to stop you from killing this big ass Gadol that has a laser that could potentially blow up, you know, the company. Yeah. Right. Like realistically the AI should have just sort of been like, all right, fine, go do whatever you want. So like, it does make a degree of sense that that's how it turned out. But I got the feeling that they were, they were queuing up a deeper conversation about the clash of ideology between Kaburagi, who's kind of accepted that not only are bugs necessary for moving forward, but that there are other reasons to live and to try your best at something than um, just because you're told to do so. Mm. And he he articulated that more than once over the course of the series and kind of said that to the, um, the, the system controller, but there wasn't really like a rebuttal. Right, because yeah. it was supposed to be like a mind fuck moment where it's like in the Matrix, like we've done Zion numerous times. You're just one, you know. This is just the latest iteration, but they just didn't go down that road. Mm. Like they could have. They were one sentence away from <laughs> saying like, "You think this is the first time we've had to reboot uh, uh, Decadence?" Like you know, you all people like you always show up, but they didn't do that. 
Which, you know, to I be fair, that. it was refreshing. It was just like, you know what? Cool, but bro, go do what you gotta do. I'm gonna stop. And then, and then that scene where it's like, and all the interference went away. So it was like, so it was just the AI like being a dick. Yes. Like, yeah. Well, even when they said that, I kind of was just like, wait, the system is fucking with them. I was like, um, shouldn't you not even care about the bubble no more? Yeah, it's a little anticlimactic in that sense. But listen, but, hey, you know what they... was the, what were we leading up to? We were leading up to the decadence um, platform turning into a giant drill, which, you know, <laughs> you can't tell <laughs> if me. If you that were wondering what, from... what kind of influences this show was derived from, mm-hmm. it's got a lot of Gynax DNA. Yes, Th- those listen, those animators probably were just like, yeah, let's go get a job over here real quick. Right, and then go back. To it Trevor. reminded me in in a much better way. I don't know if you're familiar with um this year. I guess I guess is it Nickelodeon or one of those stations they rebooted the Ninja Turtles again. Oh yeah, you showed me that um that Shredder fight yeah. scene. Yeah. So in that, obviously, these are a bunch of animators who love anime, and so like there was literally a drill drill that pierces the heavens in a in a Nickelodeon you know Ninja Turtles cartoon, and this felt like a neat you know homage. But if you're going to end the series in a big, dumb way, you might as well go with something like this, which has a lot of internal symbolism for the show and then a lot of symbolism for anime fans. Yeah. That's sort of like, you know, uh, uh, the, the proverbial and literal middle finger to authority, you know. So it's cool. So Giant Gettle gets gets blown blown in, in half. Kaburagi on screen gets crushed and dies. I don't know. The only thing I was like a little, a little like uh, ears up about was like, wait, so the decadence falls apart. That doesn't kill every human being. The on humans. The I thought the humans were dead. I was like, all these, all these niggas are dead. So what was you, this for? You literally saw it falling apart onto the city. Yeah. So constructive criticism. I think the series could have used one more episode. That's all. I agree. Yeah. You know, an episode of like. Kaburagi having a deep sort of philosophical argument with the with the controlling AI. A little more time spent on like what the various tankers were doing to sort of like and and the and the humans in the city coming together to like with the power, which are mm-hmm. the other like um, robots, um, get coming together to defend this one thing that they all share in common that they all enjoy and really love. Um, explaining or having some more scenes where humans realize that like. Actually, they're, you know, these cyborgs are real and they're out there and they're not killed for it. They kind of just say, fuck it, we're all in this together. And then you could do the, the you know, middle finger, drill that pierces the heavens, whatever. But, you know, they were short an episode. And frankly, this it's a nitpick. I think that the show ending on a positive note, or at least the season of the show, if only there were a season two. But the show ending on a positive note is awesome. And yeah, yeah. Got to see grown-up Natsume a little bit later. The robots are chilling with everybody. They've kind of figured out a new way to do this sort of entertainment thing without the soul-crushing, grinding murder simulator that was just like (laughs) keeping the rest of humanity all caged up. Don't really. They don't really like say that anything. Anything has really changed in terms of like the order. You know, the robots still seem like they're running shit, and the people are out there eking out a living. But Natsume looked happy giving tours to cute little robots. And then we got the tease of Kaburagi potentially coming back at the end because Jill backed him up. And once again, Jill is the MVP of the series. So Absolutely. I liked it. Yeah. I enjoyed that last episode. 
It made me smile. Um, but once again, I really have to highlight the music because it was perfect. It was fucking perfect. That song with the chorus came in at the perfect time. And every anime series that has action in it has that moment where they play the opening song in the anime. And you know and that they, nigga is fucked when that song starts playing. And they they nailed it. They really did nail it. I basically, I was like, well, shit, I don't know what the fuck else he gonna do right now. And then the, the opening song started playing. I was like, never mind, something about to happen. Here we go. Something's about to happen. And it did. And it was great. It was perfect. Um... I I do I want I kind of wanted to see more conversations between Natsume and her like her friends the other tankers because they showed them but I kind of was just like okay well like what are their views on life now like Natsume basically is right like Natsume going for what the fuck she wants is right like being your own individual is valid and look at what she did she changed the fucking world just by like pursuing her own goals so I kind of wanted there to be like a a sit down with her and Faye to like go over that shit. And then maybe even not to me basically being like, I still didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I just did something like a validation of her worldview, but coming from her. Yeah. And so I kind of wish I had had that. I thought, um, homegirl in the purple, whatever her name was with the purple hair. I thought she was going to be more important, even as just like a last minute, you know, like confidence booster because she bullied her all her fucking childhood. And I was like, Oh, okay no didn't get anything from that um Cora and I kind of showed up but there really wasn't anything that like made her stand out or anything yeah I mean to be honest it was Jill's episode <laughs> for me again <laughs> it was Jill like that she had I, she had so many fucking lines and such a huge presence in this episode I was just like man <sighs> I feel like the whoever wrote these episodes like Somewhere towards the like the back end, got really interested in Jill and realized that Jill was just a more a more compelling character than everybody. Else. I mean, she is, and just gave her moment after moment after moment after moment after moment. I mean, the one thing that I was like thought that was super duper well, not super duper missing, which I'm surprised they didn't do, was to somehow bring Pike back. But they didn't. Yeah, the pipe that nigga is dead. Yeah, like they left him dead. I was like, wow. <laughs> And then remember when they were talking and they were tracking him as like, you know, the main bug and blah, 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 blah and shit yeah. like that. And I'm like, oh, I thought that would have been they a little bit of a, a, a bigger thing than that. I really enjoyed the time skip and just like seeing Natsume. I enjoyed see the time skip and not seeing a depressed Natsume mourning Kaburagi. Basically, she went on with her fucking life and is doing what she does. Like, and was happy. And was happy. And then when he showed back up, and she basically was like, huh, what the fuck? And then when she realized, recognized him, we saw a sparkle in her eyes, and that was it. And I was like, I'll take that. I'll take it. Yeah, like, did, did you know that you can move on from some shit and just not have your whole life ruined? Yes. Because, like, one or two bad things happened or somebody died? <laughs> like, it's possible. It's fucking possible. So that was one of my favorite things. I was like, yeah, she honestly is just, like, one of the best female characters in anime. Like, you just really can't, you can't really dispute that at this point. She just... Yeah, it's crazy. She's not like a mopey asshole. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Um, What else was there? I mean, I guess, the, I mean, the animation was fucking amazing. Like, that laser scene 
when um when Donatello broke that fucking laser up and like the fucking ground was getting ripped up from the earth, I was like, oh, this shit's cool as fuck. I was like, there. They put the budget behind the episode, but you know, hell yeah. There was some good comedy too, like when Natsume is like, "Oh shit, there's something else I want to do," and like whipped the car, and like all the robots inside got fucked up. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> one thing that I really, 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 really wanted, and I felt this would have been the perfect way to even like set a seed for a second season was that the Omega Gaddle like laid some like super duper eggs, and those three eggs or whatever escaped like somewhere into the mm. bubble so that way it's like because you know how they like breathe because those are got those would be gattles without chips mm-hmm. so they're uncontrollable so that means they're just going to be in the wild like multiplying procreating and then they could have started the second season with like you know someone running into a gattle and you know since all the gattles are friendly now they run into a gattle that just starts fucking slaughtering people and they're like hold up what is this yeah there's actually where like a bunch of hooks that could have been for a second season like in that episode when they showed the um the quick video of like what the state of the earth was outside the dome yeah like how it's like completely poisoned and fucked up and if they wanted to so you know now that we know the series is over we're happy with it they also could have done which is uh whatever they were gonna do to kill the primary gaddle also pierces like the the dome mm-hmm and so that could be the sort of peril for the next season as well. Like that's why the system was stopping them from doing it, yada yada. But and 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 again, you added that in with the, some of the dropped story story or plot elements and other things. And it's very clear that they had an idea that could have been bigger. And then somewhere in you know early in production, they said, okay, we're probably not going to be able to do all this stuff. And then just chopped or sanded away the things that just were not gonna. I feel Continue. like this could have been a perfect two core. They could have kept all these episodes exactly the same, and the second half could have been the time skip. Yeah. Oh, of course. Which I would be. Oh, first of all, I'm all there for. It. Even if, even if they had to pull some like ass pull bullshit to make it work. Like when that shit ended, I'm like, where the fuck is my season two? I love yeah, these people. Yes. They're That's great. the thing, though. I like the characters. I'm like, I want more of them. Like, ugh. Really, it good. wasn't. It really, wasn't the really, Kaburagi really, show. Really, really it wasn't good. the Natsume show. It was basically just, yeah. It was just really good. And I mean, I know some of you guys are listening, and y'all have listened to us and not watched it. But please watch it. Like, it's so worth it. It's one of the better ones to come out this year, and we have been starved. Oh God! Do you know how, like, sparse it is for original, high budget, high concept anime period regardless of how well written it is or how well the production does or doesn't turn out like it is barren it's a wasteland like i want them to get this same team and make something else or give us a season two because we deserve it we deserve a season two we want we want a season two yeah i don't i don't care like just fix it jesus yeah right just Just like, like pull some shit out i don't care i i will forgive you for breaking your story to give us more of this. Log Horizon can get a season three. I don't see why this can't get a season two. So yeah, I'm big recommend. Really enjoyed this season. I've there are others who are even more, you know, effusive in the praise. I think that it was it ended on a nice positive note, and you don't need to look too deeply into yeah. anything. You don't need to like overanalyze it. It it just is what it is, and it's fun. Agreed.
Fucking bravo, decadence. Just got my seal of approval. Golf clap. Just throw, in, insert that golf clap in golf there. Clap. Right there. Boom. <laughs> All right. So um, today we have a special guest. Um, uh, it is Cecily. Welcome. Um, do you want to say something about yourself, where you came from, or you know how you got into anime, et cetera, et cetera? Um, well, I first started watching anime probably at twelve, like most kids, my, you know, my age. I'm 28 now. Um, was just watching Adult Swim, you know, mm-hmm. late at night with Inuyasha playing over and over again until 4 a.m. Um, and the first film I ever saw was Princess Mononoke. Um, but in terms of shows, I mean, Inuyasha, Yu Hakusho, um, Fuli Kuli, probably as well. Not all uh-huh. of it, just a little bit. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. That's all I can think about to say. Cool. Also, I know Cecily from high school and um, college, which is a scam. A whole scam. A whole other conversation for another day. Um, and so today we have Cecily on, or whenever you guys are listening to this, we have Cecily on because we've spoken a lot in the, in this like recent season and, you know, ever since we started the podcast about like women in anime and, you know, what we deem as like decent representations and what we deem as not really good representations. And, um, James has pretty much outlined his criteria for, you know, like, this is what I think of as a well-developed and like, you know a woman who is her own character that does not depend on someone else to define herself or define their goals. But we've never had um, a woman's voice because, you know, we're two niggas. So that's why we brought Cecily in. So um, I made a list of like characters or female characters that kind of hit both notes for me. I don't know about you guys, but I have like a little bit of like here and there of like people who I think are like mid people who I think kind of like hit the ball. And then people who I'm just like, this is exactly what I don't want to see as a female. And we don't have to hit the entire list. We can, you know, riff if something comes up, boom, bam, we're going to transition. We're going to be all over the place as usual, y'all. So, um, since you're the guest, Cecily, would you like to start the discussion? You want to pick one of your characters first or you want us to do one? I'll pick one first. Hmm? Um, okay. I'll go ahead and pick one first. Uh, San and Lady Aboshi from Princess Mononoke. Um, they are just truly excellent to me. Um, I feel like they were really thought out. Um, all of their all their decisions that they made as characters were really intentional, really um, purposeful and passionate. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I liked is that, the, again, they didn't fall into that like weak versus strong or even submissive versus dominant roles. Like they were their own women um and i just feel like i haven't seen that in a lot of the other anime that i've watched and granted i'm an anime baby i know i have a long way to go i have a lot more to see well girl you've been watching it for a while at least you've watched like popular or like iconic stuff and not just like dragon ball true 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 (laughs) (laughs) well i I think those characters work pretty well as a framework too because even though the movie titularly is is uh princess mononoke uh at least in that example you those character or, or at least the lady Aboshi character is one that 
or at least more defined by a, a, a role or a job that, that she's playing that she cares deeply about. And then there's that sort of underlying subtext of uh, like community um, within the movie. Uh, obviously, like the nature versus you know industrialization stuff, but like the way in which these characters play off of that environment is not mediated by some other character or some other male character. So I think that for for me, that's why I gravitate to those sorts of representations, whether or not they're a villain or a hero or somewhere in between the the key is just that um that they have their own interests and motivations that are driving them forward then i um am gonna go ahead and say that and she's probably my favorite out of all of them and i know this is probably gonna be like cliche as fuck but um faye valentine from cowboy bebop is kind of like she's that bitch for me and uh, the reason why i really like that character is because she's basically presented as a completely independent female who basically uses people and uses men and her like feminine wiles to get what she wants because it's literally like, you know, kill or be killed, wild, wild west space, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, her motivations throughout the entire story, like every, the reason why I like that series so much is because almost every single one of them has like a backstory and is like completely fleshed out in addition to Spike. Like Spike is clearly the main character, but Faye is her, is her own person with her own motivations. And yeah, she ends up helping them out, you know, tagging along for the adventure, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, Faye is there for Faye. So that's one of the my favorite like female representations. Yeah, Faye is really good. Also, you know, she does get a couple of episodes just to herself. Yeah. Yeah, and those are actually some of the coolest uh, from the series. Like when she meets, uh, or or is trying to track down an old like one of the classmates from before she got frozen or whatever, put in suspended animation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like you know Cowboy Bebop as a series is one that when characters have their own time to breathe, you realize you know if you never watched it before that how well defined they are. Because you kind of think, well, I could have watched an hour of this person, you know, just out in the world uh, dealing with a problem or just living, Um, which it's funny because one of my favorite female characters is the major. But the major as a character is kind of a blank slate for most of the either movie runtime, if you go back to the original Ghost in the Shell, or even in Standalone Mm -hmm. Complex, which in some ways deals more with and and lets her character speak more about her ideology and her view on life and even her view on her own identity um, in the sort of like post nearly post-human kind of society where what's on the outside your outside appearance doesn't necessarily have to align with you know how you visualize yourself and I think that was a that was a point of view that was ahead of its time in the in the late 80s um, and early '90s, but I don't necessarily know how well it speaks to the idea of like a a female identity because the major, for the most part, never really had a strong female counterpart to bounce off of in either um, the standalone complex films, TV series, or prior to that, the movie. She always is sort of dealing with a very male-dominated cast, a very male-dominated world. So you never, or rarely, do you get an opportunity to see what are the unvarnished i would say like feminine opinion even though again the major doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. present all the time 
in that way. So she's a favorite of mine, but I don't necessarily know if it answers that or scratches that itch the way some of the stuff we've seen this season is. I don't, I definitely don't. Well, that, go ahead, Cecily. Sorry. No, no, you're fine. Um, that just reminded me of, it's been a really long time since I saw this film, but Armitage. Oh, Armitage. Yes. I saw that film probably way too young, but (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. Like, I remember being a kid and like wondering when I could get, when I would get a chance to like hop on HBO and see it again. Um, I just remember loving that she was this like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but she was like this humanoid, like android being. And she was like battling knowing that she wasn't fully human, but then also having a child and just like, I don't know, like battling, like understanding her very real reality of being a weapon, but then also being this like incredible being that could give life. And I think within that recognizing too, like having to be very aggressive and strong, but also portray the role of like your everyday average housewife and having to hide that sort of her ability to be violent. Yeah. I, I, that's a, that is a throwback, but I, one that I like a lot actually. Yeah. I think um, there's, there is, and you see that trope come up a, a, a fair amount when you have sort of powerful female characters in, movies and in anime and in comics and other places there's a some authors can do a good job playing with the juxtaposition of taking life giving life sometimes it's it's allegorical sometimes it's not sometimes it's just straight up like you know very surface level exploration of that um i'm trying to think if there are other examples what's funny is that in in the era that we live in where some of the biggest stuff aren't really it's not coming out of movies where you have a lot of time to develop, say, one one character built out over time, at least in anime. But instead, you're getting um, a lot of serialized, action-oriented programs. Also, like the slice-of-life genre has, I think, a lot of examples that sort of fly under the radar because people don't wind up oh, yeah. watching it. Um, and I know, mm-hmm. and I know that's not an area that I'm particularly familiar with. I just recently started getting into more of like the the rom-com side of slice of life and the challenge there and i think wasn't there was a series out uh last year where it was all about like taboo relationships so there were a lot of like oh man i'm now i'm blanking on the name so i feel silly bringing it up taboo relationships there was a slice of life yeah there was like a um a romance maybe it was a romance series from oh it was the one where it was like the teacher and the student or some shit it was all i remember is that that that, like someone was clipping me stuff of scenes where i'm there's two two uh women are or the young women they're just out of just out of high school and Mm -hmm. the conversation that I was reading, I was shocked because it felt like something human beings would actually say to each other. Oh, uh, shit. Okay. <laughs> so now, now I have to rack my brain to recall what, what series that was. But I, but I, but if we could, like, maybe pivot, are there characters that you, or scenes that you can think of that cap, not just, oh, well, this, this individual feels real uh, or speaks in a real way or is in a real situation that you can relate to, but that they're presenting an idea that meshes with the actual reality that 
we live in or you live in as a woman or we live in a society dealing with like these kind of issues um because that's one thing that i've been missing i think is an actual real solid like gender perspective coming out of anime because most of the stuff is made by dudes so they don't give a shit i think i might i'm thinking i'm getting what you're saying and i want to say the ray zero scene with amelia oh yes yes so Hmm. if you have you ever watched um ray zero um no so basically i'll give you like a quick little blurb of what basically this guy goes to a show and does all this shit for this woman who does not ask him to do for it and then when he's in a moment of crisis he basically lashes out at her and he basically is just like i did all this shit for you and she is like well i never asked you to Mm. And it it was like it was a huge moment. It was actually one of the more like alienating things for the show because a lot of people like you know you have your protagonist. You want your protagonist to be like you know the ideal motherfucker like in all of right. it. And he basically it basically was like the first not the first but it was like the beginning of like the author letting everyone know hey this guy's actually a piece of shit. he's a piece of shit just because he did all of this for her that does not mean that she owes him anything because the entire time that he was doing shit for her she had all these other things that were going on simultaneously and other people who were protecting her that she would have been fine without him so Mm. i really enjoyed that but then i also liked how she basically she was able to like i wouldn't say forgive him but like he has this stupid shit. I'm trying not to spoil it for you, but basically in the end, she decides to forgive him and go about her shit and basically be like, I mean, Hey, like, you know, if this is the, if that's the kind of person that you really are, then, you know, maybe you don't need to be around me because I don't want that. And I was just like, I really like this character while in stark juxtaposition, you've got her maid rim who is, well, it's really fucked up because, and you said it before, James, is that the, the due to a certain plot device in this show, um, the supporting characters only see the best parts of the main character. Right. That That uh, is something that isn't wow. really touched on enough. And it, it, it's not troubling. Um, what, I, what, I, what, I, what, I, what worries me is that when the audience gets to watch, a, like in this case, it's a male protagonist, but frankly, any character go through their arc of change one of the things in real the real world is that when we know someone and someone is not you know they're not their best self at whatever time you're meeting them and then Mm -hmm. they grow and they learn over time and you get to be there along for the ride you can both appreciate more whatever change was made but then Mm -hmm. also hold them accountable for the past state that they were in as a way to keep them from going back to that and I, it always is worrying to me when you have a show that's structured the way ReZero is structured, where there are obviously a lot of women clustered around this main character. It's not really a harem, so I'm, I'm not going to slam it too much for that. But yeah, but you, right. you have all these folks who, who canonically, any time we see them up to the whatever the latest episode, the latest book, the latest whatever, their version of reality is the one in which he has been his perfect self or his perfected self. Which is really a, a tragic thing, especially given what a lot of women have to deal with when it comes to being the emotional support pillar for 
unformed young men. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I worry. I worry about that, but I'm not necessarily saying that this show is perpetuating anything more than we ne- normally perpetuate. So I, I did want to shift a little bit. So one one interesting story, and I know you mentioned um, Armitage. So you're from the same era of uh, anime movies that might get shown on on uh, on cable. One that I saw a long time ago was a movie called Wings of Oniames. Um, and it was if you ever if you're old enough to have either had to buy anime DVDs uh, or or gasp VHS tapes. I'm 34 years old, so I I, I straddle that line between the digital and the analog. And I remember going to Blockbuster Video and renting U.S. Manga Core branded VHS tapes for different stuff. And at the beginning, they'd always have like ad roll for other movies. And one they would always um, play, and I had no idea what it was about, was this movie called. Um, Wings of Honiames. This is so as a short synopsis. It's just a, a alt history, Earth-like mid twentieth century kind of world, and it just focuses on this um, uh, pilot who wants to be his nation's first astronaut. And it's sort of set against a backdrop of like uh, Cold War style tensions, and you know, it's a really cool movie. A lot of really good animation, pretty decent music. But there's a there's a particular character interaction. There's a woman named. Requini in this movie who's a single mother and is a devotee of a of a very strong like sort of catholic influenced religion and over the course of the film the two characters Ladat who's the main character and and Requini sort of have a uh, on again off again relationship it's non-physical it tends it's really more they're driven by the need to be together but there's a very disturbing scene uh, towards the end of the film that was initially cut out of the Western release, but then was put back in later, where oh. Ladat basically has a his his life falls apart as as is want to happen to young men. And he shows up to, to Requini's church and attempts to molest her. Oh. And but but doesn't and then the she forgives him afterwards, which is one of the most troubling uh, what? troubling sorts of moments, but it's not played for um it's not played for shock factor but it's one of the, but it's the idea of like the the for, you know these forgiving female characters and i thought about right. that as you were talking about rezero because that's also a factor that takes me out of enjoying a story which is yes. especially when it comes to like mm. any kind of mental physical or verbal abuse towards women that's treated like mm-hmm. treated like it's not something Normal. to be mentioned or or dealt with right. in any meaningful way. That's just like yeah. I, it, it takes me right out of it. And that, I'm not talking about fan service. I'm just talking about like uh, the I get with a cultural interaction. I don't know. So I don't I don't know if there are other good examples of that in um, the more mainstream stuff. But I remember that scene is sticking out to me very strongly as being wrong. But what was more wrong was the character afterwards apologizing. To the person right. who attacked her, which is yeah. crazy. Jeez, um, that immediately makes me think of. Sorry, Jordan, but JoJo's oh, Bizarre Adventures. Go ahead. Oh, we can get into some JoJo. Let's go. I don't remember which iteration of JoJo this is. I'm pretty sure it's Jotaro. I want to so, kick his Stardust ass. Crusaders. Jotaro, whenever he is interacting with his mother. Oh, he's an ass. Oh, yeah. Just, he's a I, complete piece of shit. 
Yeah. I cannot. I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. I was like, really? And then, so did you watch, you watched the season right before, right? With, um, Um, with, um, homegirl. Is that? Um, bloody, the one with the bloody, what's when he was in America, they were fighting the three vampires. Oh, yes. So you watched that. So what homegirl, homegirl was a really good example. Well, not a good example, but she was a pretty decent representation of a woman in that universe. His um his mom what what was her name? She was older, right? She was um, yeah, from she the was first older. season. Man, why am I forgetting her name? Oh my god, she was on the second part of the first season. Yeah, oh I know. God, I'm gonna remember. I watch. Name? I'm a, Lisa Lisa. There we go. Oh yeah, Lisa Lisa. Lisa's awesome. Oh my god, not the mom. That's right? the tra- the woman who trained him. Yeah, Lisa Lisa is the shit. Yeah, I why? I thought Lisa Lisa, Lisa was his mama. Not Joe Taro's mama. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Lisa, Lisa, I wanted to stand her, but let me tell you something that I hate that I feel like happens often in with female characters, period. Mm. Do not Daenerys Targaryen my female character. Please. <laughs> Please don't do that. Lisa, Lisa was a bad bitch. Wait, we can cuss on here, right? Yeah. Girl, I've been cussing. Okay. Lisa Lisa was a bad bitch, and I can't remember the vampire's name, but he turned around and strung her up by her ankles in the end. And I I just, like, I'm not saying that she should have been the one to defeat him, but I just felt like that whole battle scene, I wanted more. I felt like Lisa Lisa could have done more. I feel like she could have given me more, and I don't know why that wasn't included. Why didn't she get the run back? Because a woman didn't write it. <laughs> True. Yeah, and, and the reveal yeah. of what she was <laughs> I think wearing that's the biggest too. problem. Yeah, my of... God, what she had on, I was like, no, like why, why are we? I from what I remember, it was like stockings and heels, but like overalls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, whose ass is she kicking in this outfit? What is happening here? Well, it, that's a that's a question you could ask almost every uh, JoJo character, pretty much <laughs> from from the middle of season one till today. But yeah, I mean her, and I think her um her overall design was based on um, Lisa Velez, I think, like the real life um, uh, singer. Oh, I think so. Or yeah, I think so. Because a lot of obviously, I mean, like Iraqi and his affiliation or or or, or uh, liberal borrowing from like seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. like glam rock and just like everything yeah <laughs> almost everything <laughs> yeah which i which i i love i think it's awesome but yeah yeah you know another character that i was thinking of which is weird because it's very mainstream or she's very mainstream is nami from one piece <gasps> oh shit so there's a lot of things that i like about her character just on paper without having, you know, without the appeal of either, you know, watching the show or, or knowing a lot about, you know, feats and other things that people get excited about when it comes to like, yeah. long running action, um, manga and anime. The first thing I like about her character is that when you, when we meet her, she already has her own plans life. for her life. Yes. Right. Mm. That are interrupted by the primary cast. Which is generally true, I think, actually, of how One Piece is constructed, is that 
and it's why it's been so popular and why it's lasted is that all the characters tend to they live in that world and they they have their own interests and they don't just exist when they're on screen or in frame or in panel yeah but exactly. so she had her own life one two her primary relationship outside of the the principal cast is all female um which is mm. awesome right so she has her adopted mother and her adopted sister yeah. are her o- other two you know you know principal figures in her life you get a long 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 uh time spent with her and those characters basically by themselves obviously it's a it's a action battle anime so there's mostly peril but when you dive into her backstory though it is tragic it is not one that is either filled with uh, physical or verbal abuse mm. from men there are a few catalyzing features that are there interestingly you know all of her uh, initial antagonists aren't even human so there's a there's some separation there and then also she she loves her town she loves where she's from and identifies with that and remains identified with that over the course of the entire series and doesn't get caught up with any of the male characters so there are relationships in terms of friendship but that's it there's no you know, it, 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 as far as a character that is played for fan service for fans, visually, for the most part, if you actually look at what she's been asked to do, how she's been portrayed in the show, strong, independent, not anybody's patsy, doing what she's doing because she's interested in doing it. Not she's their babysitter. Exactly, right? Like, it's just an extension of her relationship with her hometown growing up because that's why she kind of gets involved in the plot to begin with. She's trying to rescue... Her friends, her family, and and the folks that she identified as sort of part of her, her clan. She's just added the crew of the of the Straw Hat Pirates to that collective list of people, rather than it being her entire identity is to like serve the main character. Who is have you watched Ooh. One Piece, Cecily? I have not, but clearly Girl. I need to put it on my list. Well, no, now before you do that, it's Whoa. over 900 episodes. So. <laughs> no. Yeah, what? girl. This has been airing since we were in the single digits. Yeah. It's, oh, I'm never going to finish it. It's a monster. The best way to catch up is to actually read the manga. That's the only f- Okay. I mean, not the best way. You can watch a filler. You can watch a series with a filler guy, but you're still going to have hundreds of episodes to watch. It's but, also quite um, good. Sheesh. So that's the other. That's, a, that's actually what I was doing in my dorm room for the majority of college. I was catching for one I got my grades. Shit. Um, but so in that same vein, though, it ma- it's making me think of the other women in One Piece or the other primary women. And um, Nico Robin is actually phenomenal in and of herself, too. I love Nico Robin. I actually like her more than Nami. But I think it's more so I like Nico Robin's personality and just her like overall like calm and cool approach towards everything. But then I do like her backstory and how basically like she's a she's a government made pariah who basically is like, I'm going to figure out what the fuck is going on because you literally massacred my entire fucking island and you're making me out to be the bad person simply because... We all we did was just want to know what the fuck was going on with the world. And so I enjoy her interactions with everyone. I enjoy how she shuts down all the men that approach her and want something, how she leverages her power, how she's easily able to like meld and adapt to whatever she's around. It's like when she went to go be with like the revolutionary army and like everyone who interacts with her, who's on friendly terms, respects her. 
no one is like looking down on her and just like, oh, that's fucking Nico Robin. Like, you know, she's not that powerful, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, that's Nico Robin. Like, yeah, you better watch your ass. Like, you better watch your ass. Which, when they did her, like, her arc arc for like the Ignis Lobby, I I could understand the, the moment of just like, you know, she's literally been fighting damn near her entire life by herself just to survive. And like, this is the first moment where she's actually going to ask for fucking help. So that, that even though I guess it, I wouldn't even call that a moment of weakness. I, that's just a moment of just basically being like, I actually have some people that I can trust. And I don't have to be like, you know, the cold hearted, distant bitch that I'm betrayed to be. Like I can actually trust these people to help me. And then also not expect anything in return. Yeah, I, I, that's also my, what solidified me where, you know, you watch a series or read something that, and you, after a certain point, like, oh, I'm this, this now owns me, right? Like, oh, I'm a, uh -huh. all right, okay, I'm in. All right, you got me. Fine, fine. The, the end of that in this lobby arc, I was like, all right, One Piece is, is my thing for life. Like, yeah. you got me. But I did yeah. want to ask Cecily, um, Cecily, sorry. I'm said that wrong. Right. Cecily. You can cut that, right? <laughs> uh, i did want to ask cecily when you, now that we're sort of you said you're in, uh, sort of a not, not necessarily an anime newbie but your like your breadth of content that you've seen or, or read is not necessarily as wide as someone who might have been like watching religiously everything for the last 20 years when you now see new shows <laughs> new movies potentially manga getting um promoted what for you is something that makes you say, you know what, I really, really want to pick this up or maybe more narrowly, if you see a, a character, especially a female character, what do you look for to get turned on to uh, a show, not necessarily knowing very much about it because you haven't read or watched it yet? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Oh, and that's a hard one because I haven't really watched a lot of like promos for shows. Um, one that I recently saw was for, oh, the Inuyasha sequel. Ooh. Yeah, Yashahime. Yes. Loved it. Um, obviously, what I liked about it is that, you know, it's an all female cast or predominantly female cast. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm definitely watching this. Um, and so that first and foremost drew me in, but I think also just aesthetically, the animation's beautiful to me. Um, and then also what I know of Inuyasha with like the music in particular, everybody has a theme and I stand that. And so I, that's what I'm expecting of this new sequel. So that is what drew me in and like, you know, I have it on my watch list. Um, but other than that, I mean, I really just don't want to see, you know, oversized breasts and, you know, two inch, a two inch waist. Um, I don't want to see like emphasized body features when I'm looking at something or when I'm seeing a promo for something. Um, the whole hyper-sexualization aspect of that often exists with female characters. Like I just... It it makes me weary, right? And not necessarily because of 
because I'm worried about how even the character is going to be written, but I'm worried about how other characters in the series are going to treat that character, that female character. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a turn off for me a lot of the time, but I think I read a lot into the intention or capability or skill of the people making whatever I'm watching when I see that. Because in my head it says, well, they were not confident enough in how they were going to sketch the character of this person um, to tone down those aspects in order to play up you know, what's in their heads, not necessarily what they look like. But that said, um, I don't feel like I need to identify that strongly with a, you know, a show or an aesthetic or a look. Because a lot mm-hmm. of times the best stuff I've seen has been have been things that just were not, you know, I would they they would fall way outside the lines of like what I would call initially cool. But once I watched it or read it, it got added to the pantheon of what I felt was cool. And I don't know if other people have that same experience or relationship with stuff. And by the way, we don't have to just talk about um, anime. It could be almost anything, really. So if you've had that experience, like you described, with other recent stuff that has been promoted... I think that's still a pretty good conversation. Yeah, I think just in general, I, I'm i all about like character development. I want to know that whatever you're trying to sell me is going to, you're going to give me like an intentional, well-thought-out character um, or group of characters. I want to know that you're going to give me a real story, whether that's, you know, fantastical or not. Um and I'm also partial to things like action <laughs> and yeah. I'm not a fan of rom-com. I, that's not, that's not my thing. Um, but I love a good, just in general, just like a really well thought out story. I don't know how to get more specific about it. No, but... no, I, I totally buy it. I, I think I was thinking about Inuyasha and, and the idea that like, you know, that was written and drawn by a woman. Uh, mm-hmm. and there are plenty of female characters that are in that series that all have their own stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, yes. Nothing frustrates yes. me more than a show where any character is just there to be there. Um, let yes. alone a, a interesting looking and potentially interestingly um, described female character that then only seems to exist when the plot is on them or the camera lens is on them and they disappear, you know, outside the frame. You know, because the mm-hmm. next time you see them, nothing has changed they're the same person whatever but i but you know two of my favorite series growing up were inuyasha and full metal alchemist both of them written oh, by women. winry oh wait oh. no no not winry not winry yeah now i know exactly who you about to talk about lust also what? um what's the 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 uh yes yeah yeah so I, let's let's stick with there for a second right so like i know that you <laughs> <laughs> you got your uh, problems with the original adaptation for Full Metal Alchemist, but I would argue that in both FMA and FMA Brotherhood, Lust's character is fucking awesome. I'll I'll give you. Yeah. Okay. She gets to do some of the coolest stuff in the series. She and especially because all the homunculi, not aside from their own allegorical like named characteristics they represent a very specific type of ideology about world about the world itself what is a person and what is what what does how does one go about self-gratification and then specifically in brotherhood feats 
scenes, uh, fights, interactions with the with with all like the entire cast of characters. Mm-hmm. Fucking amazing. One of my faves altogether. And also I think the male characters in the series are more aware of the women who are around. Which is Oh yeah. Which mm-hmm. is something I, I I don't read widely enough and I don't have any theory to back this up. But well, I think also... that women writers tend to acknowledge that. Whereas like it's rare for male <laughs> writers to acknowledge that. Well, yeah, like one of the main things that I always loved about Full Metal Alchemist was that there were always like female characters who were supremely powerful and were feared by the men. Oh, right. Like, General Armstrong. Yes. Olivia, <laughs> Olivier Armstrong, and Izumi. Are you kidding Izumi? me? Sick. Izumi Sick. was Sick. that bitch. She's that bitch. And you cannot tell me any different. The way this is one of my favorite things about Brotherhood is that she had so much more shine in Brotherhood. And I was just like, oh, she's sickening. She's she's like she's absolutely sickening. Like, holy shit! Like she really even her husband, who basically was just like, I'm just here. I'm just, follow, I'm, I'm just following her. I'm just following her. Don't touch her though. She can touch you. Don't touch her. Like, I loved it, Olivia, because they didn't even get to the point where Olivia would have um been in the story with the original Full Metal Alchemist. But when she popped up in Brotherhood and they had that whole arc, I was like. What is what is with the women? What is with the, why are they all so good in this fucking show? And I was like, oh, it's because a woman wrote it, of course, because these were actual like characters with ambitions and emotions and relationships with yes. other men, where they were like, I have gained your respect not based off of my gender, but because of my capabilities. Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you brought up Full Metal Alchemist. Wow, my heart is so warm right now and full. Well, it's an, an excellent series. I also think the one thing that we that are that's missed out on, and I, and this is, this might turn into a rant at some other time, but uh, well fleshed out positive brother sister relationships, not Ooh. something you actually get very much of, at oh, least boy. in like popular anime, even slice of life stuff that I've seen. Brother and sister. So you brought one of the things you brought up was in FMA the the Armstrong siblings. Yeah. The right like they they are in fact siblings. <laughs> but to me what ha- what I, what I see a lot of is in erasure usually of the sister because the main character is usually a guy. Um and families oh. in general not getting very much development in any kind of a series because oftentimes they're just props for other yeah. parts of a story to move forward, especially if it's they're about... They're a hostage. They yeah, die. or they're killed terribly. Mm-hmm. I have this thing, I have a friend of mine, we watch a lot of movies, and it's uh, we it's either the bad dad, the dead dad, or the dead mom. Like, <laughs> like Yes! Just like, yeah. we can tell where a series is going, because like, initially, to explain why these people are not there, or full characters, or accounted for, and even like the development of you know, your protagonist, they're like, oh, they're dead, or they're terrible, or whatever. And I get it, like, those are real, it's true. But as someone who, like, grew up with a relatively normal, and I say normal in terms of, like, not, just not hyper-radicalized in any emotional direction type of family, and knowing a lot of people who had that, whenever I see this as a setup for, like, a way to write characters out of a story, I get very frustrated (laughs) because it's like, it's lazy. So 
But a lot of times I, it's the yeah. women who are sacrificed as a, as a... It actually make This makes me think, like, immediately of um, Gara and Tamari. But mm, I'm always yeah. thinking about Tamari. Cause that's the, that's the dead mom and the bad dad. Yeah, dead mom and bad dad. But the overall, like... I mean, Tamari really wasn't featured heavily in Gara's arc. But I think it's expanded upon, I think, a little bit more, like, later on, later on in, like, Sheepadin and shit like that. Where and I think I think I saw some scenes in like fillers or whatever where based where they had all like grown to respect Gara as the Hokage and I'm just like okay but I missed a lot like what happened during the two year time skip that like he did that made you guys like all of a sudden forgive him for being born and killing your mom simultaneously or can we like can that. we like put a flag up for just like healthy family relationships like that's act- yes. it's possible for that to happen you know like not everything has to be fucked up. But the fucked up shit grabs people and it's just like, oh, men are so fucked up, man. Oh, no, no, totally, totally. It's just like when you see it for like the 180th time as a way to set up like oh, why God. someone is a piece of shit. It's like there's a lot of ways people can become pieces of shit, you know? Like it doesn't necessarily mm. have to be that your mom is missing. Like maybe spend some more energy developing that. And I wanted to give a shout out, even though it's not anime, to um, uh, uh, Lovecraft Country. Which is currently <gasps> running mm-hmm. as we as we speak at the mm-hmm. end of oh boy. September. I'm, watch it. I'm assuming both of y'all are watching that. Oh, I'm all. Yes, I mean, I'm too I'm bitch behind. to watch it. Watch it. I'm behind, but I read the book. Oh, okay, great. Okay, then you're good. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I when I heard that that um the show was gonna be in production, I was like, ooh, okay. Well, let me go get this book so I can be prepared. And I just, it's so good. Jordan, you need to hop on the train. You just need to hop on the train. Or but I'm such a bitch. <laughs> just start with the book, Jordan. Just start with the book. Okay. Because then at least she'll be prepared somewhat. Because <laughs> I hear, like, because listen, I'm the nigga that was jumping in X-Men, okay? Like, X-Men ain't even scary. Yes, I know. They make fun of me for it all the time. Wait, Jordan, you which, can't watch which Attack X-Men? on Titan. What are we talking about? Then- uh, days of future past I, oh, there was just like no. there were just like th- I'm, I'm the nigga in the theater that jumps at the jump scares no. like, I'm jumping at the jump scares and the only way that I usually get through a horror movie if someone even manages to drag me is because of the music the music always turns to a minor key or shit drops out and that's when I'm like it's time for me to cover my face it's time for me to cover my face I'm done and they're like why are you covering why are you covering your eyes and then they all are like oh shit and I'm like I told you niggas I told you niggas so yeah, I heard. I well, I not heard. I saw a lot of the tweets from the first episode of Lovecraft, and I was like, "Ooh, child, that looks like that's a no for me." That's, I mean, I'm not I gonna will. Lie. They can keep my subscription, but that's gonna be a no for me. <laughs> I was a little shook. I because I haven't read the book in a in a couple of months, and so I was a little shook as well. But it's really not that bad. It's really, really not. You just you just need to rip the band-aid off and watch it cuz you would like it. My friend told me to watch it during the day. I think I'm going to Yeah. Okay. I well I have some I have something to do next Wednesday through Friday, so maybe I'll do that. Yeah, don't don't watch it at night, but during the day should be fine. My my wife's comment is always that she loves it, but can only really process one episode at a time and then needs a day. <laughs> really? That's fair. <laughs> Well, you know, it's just the idea of like all the black pain is tough for her. Whereas like for me, it's about the catharsis because whenever the white people be fucking up, 
then they can get the hammer by the end of the episode. I mean, that makes me feel real good. <laughs> yes. So, Jordan, yeah. you would really like it. I promise. I promise. Okay. Well, what are you currently watching or what's on your list and what drew you to that list? To those items. Okay. So I'm still trying to finish JoJo. I'm trying to oh, just girl, that's gonna be suck a while. it up. Yeah. It's going to be a while. <laughs> if you, if you, you still working through Stardust Crusaders? Uh, I just finished Stardust Crusaders. Oh, okay. I am. Yeah. Isn't there? There's another one, right? There's two seasons. Oh, there's two more. Yeah. 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 So I'm trying to Diamond I'm is trying to muster the strength. I'm trying to muster the strength to to go ahead and just watch. Well, the characters the next in Diamond is Unbreakable are very varied. There's a lot to like and there's a lot of weird shit too, which is it's just it's basically like JoJo finally hit its fucking stride and knew exactly what the fuck it was going to be. That's a that's an interesting take and I don't necessarily disagree because I feel like um what it tries to be is even weirder and weirder because mm. a rocky is just got got gets weirder and weirder with it like you know he's getting in touch with the weirdness inside of him yeah and every season is like dialing it up a notch a notch a notch and i feel like right around the end of stardust crusader is where he just threw through the fucking switch away and just like <laughs> dove headfirst into his own internal lsd trip and it's great Oh my god! It's fucking great. And also, did you see the rumors floating around today of a uh, Stone Ocean getting adapted? <gasps> what? Yeah. Oh my god! What a great fucking day then. Yeah. So it, it dovetails very nicely with this conversation because Stone Ocean is the arc of JoJo with Jolene Joestar, which is the daughter of uh, Jotaro. Oh, Jotaro. So we can just hop on over to some recommendations. Yeah, we can do recommendations. You can sure. start it. <laughs> so, my recommendation for this week is the classic movie trilogy. Well, it might even be a, a four. It depends on how you look at the last ones as one film or two. But Project Echo. Project Echo. Project Echo was a parody uh, action movie series from the I think the late '80s to early '90s. It was produced at a time when the biggest stuff out there were, you know, sci-fi, mecha, anime, some magical girl stuff, but it's real early. Um, I watched this series on VHS. I rented it from the local blockbuster. It was one of my favorite anime besides Robotech growing up. But I didn't think that necessarily I was watching something that would age particularly well. It's a comedy. And I watched it dubbed. And a lot of times when you go back and watch some of that stuff from the 90s, it just doesn't necessarily hold up as far as being particularly funny because you're already translating jokes and other things from another language, another culture. And then you're adding on top of that, like the anachronism of being old. Project Echo is still a really fun movie and really funny too. The characters are over the top and ridiculous. Um, there's essentially like a three-sided lesbian love triangle going on where only oh. one person is even oblivious to any of it which is itself hilarious um there's a lot of sight gags that are just genuinely funny on their own the dub takes a, a few liberties with the original 
uh, uh, script, but they take it in like ways that make it work for a Western audience, but are not specific so specific that you're like, man, this is like just some trash ass anime comedy from the '90s. The actual animation is really good. Um, the the first movie is not very long. I think it clocks in at maybe like a hour twenty, hour twenty five, and it uh-huh. and it definitely speeds along. And what I thought was uh, really cool when I figured it out when I was a kid is that Aiko is is canonically supposed to be the daughter of Superman and Wonder Woman. And oh, they drop you a little okay. Easter egg in the beginning and the end because the father is you can never see his face, but he's got glasses on, he's reading the Daily Planet. I think like there's a Wonder Woman cuff somewhere in there. And the whole idea is that Aiko is like ridiculously strong and doesn't know it. So she's like doing things like, you know, throwing tanks at alien ships and you know battling with giant robots and for her it's just like regular day you know and for everyone else it's like what the fuck is going on so original project echo movie hard recommend all the sequels are, are funny in the original movie actually this is a great scene that involves them going to see a movie and and uh it's like a horror movie featuring colonel sanders which <laughs> is just weird and was always like one of those like just funny moments that i could never explain to anybody when I was a kid, like why this movie was so so hilarious to me, but it, it still holds up. And there were several sequels. Um, the second one is fine, Aiko 2. Aiko 3 is not particularly great, but they did a spinoff movie, which is why it's hard to call it really a trilogy, because the fourth is like a more action-oriented, more story-oriented, more traditional sci-fi film with all the same characters for the most part, but transported into like a future, like Star Warsy Project Lensman kind of world that's still uh-huh. a comedy, but it's like I don't know how to describe it, but it's really really good, and uh, it's released in the U.S. on on I don't know who if it's if you can stream any of this, but um, it used to be called Project Echo uh, Blue Side and Gray Side, and then they like changed the localization, so I don't remember what the the most up to date one was. Maybe it's like Love is War or something like that. All of them, yeah. I think, are great watches, and you can get right through them. I've seen some of them on YouTube. So go watch Project Aiko in any flavor. I think it's great. Now, let's go with Ascendance of a Bookworm. So, um, Ascendance of a Bookworm is an isekai. Um, but I would say it is a crafting isekai. And so, basically, the primary premise of the show is... Um, this girl in her old life got transferred to a new world um, that has magic, but magic is, it's kind of like you're born with it. Um, you can instill magic into devices and have other people use it, et cetera, et cetera. And also that books are only used for nobles. So this girl's born into a peasant's body that is um, severely like sickly. Like she gets fevers from just like walking down the street. So um, the show basically is about her learning how to deal with this new body and uh, eventually learning why her body is so frail and why it can't do the things that she used to be able to do or that anyone else can do. And then also trying to make books because uh, like a lot of people there don't know how to make books. And so what she does is she ends up taking, bringing knowledge from uh, like our world into their world because they're like in medieval times. And what she does is she uses like modern inventions like she made like shampoo and so what she does is in order to get capital and to start get her closer to being able to like read the books that the nobles have and also make her own books um uh, she starts working with like a mark um a merchant company who basically is like oh this little girl is a genius 
And I don't know. It's just like, it's a really well-developed show. Like all of the characters are really amazing. The main character is so amazing because it's, it's not focused around like, you know, action showing Like it's all about the story and the journey and like, you know, Oh, here's a new problem. How do you overcome this problem in this world where you don't have access to this, which you usually would have access to in our world. So, um, it's, there's two seasons out. Um, but it's it's worth it. Like it's worth it. It's definitely like a calm, chill down show. There's definitely like drama, slice of life stuff. But everything is important to the story. Everything's important. It's so good. It's so it's just like such a goodwill show. Like it makes you feel good when the things that she sets out to do work the fuck out. So yeah, Ascendance of a Bookworm. Sweet. It's it's similar to um to Doctor Stone in a way with like you know how he searches out things to like craft. It's very similar to that with just less you know um not shown in it less flashy than Doctor. That's Stone. actually the first time I've heard that comparison. That's really cool. Oh no, yeah, they're very similar. Um, yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's more chill. Okay, and so remember, you guys, next week, The Great Pretender, you're gonna have the first three episodes ready to go. So we're going to like, you know, talk about that a little bit. And it, I think the second curve that's already going to be airing. But I think that's all for today. So, you oh, know, yeah. make sure you follow us on social media. Um, anime underscore savants on Twitter. Anime savants on Instagram. And just, you know, anime savants on YouTube. Also, the YouTube definitely has all the segments um, split up into different parts. So, you know, if you only want to listen to, like, the main segment that day, you don't want to, like, you know, wade through the rest of it because there aren't really any timestamps on the podcast platforms, then head over to the YouTube and just, you know, press play and walk away. Um, oh, and my regular social media is, like, jbonser on Twitter and stuff. I mean, I don't know if y'all even need to know that one because I'd be doing some wild shit. Never mind. No, it's, it ain't that wild. <laughs> okay. Yep, and you can catch me uh, at Neural Handshake, all one word on Twitter. Uh, I didn't get too much feedback this week, which is good because the week before people were wiling out, but it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> you can hit me up anytime. Well, I mean, we did do what? It was Dragon Ball Z and then Mahoka. And then we did another mini Mahoka rant after the other Mahoka rant. So they felt the way. <laughs> Anyways, that's all. Bye. All right, y'all. Peace out.